Hey, welcome to Creative Reset, the podcast that explores... Oh, wait, hold on. Welcome to Creative Reset, the podcast that looks at the creative journey to help us understand our obstacles and how to go over, under, around, or through them. And this is how we reset our creative selves, our creative selves. This is how we do that thing. This week, I'm talking to Casey Cruz. Casey's a visual artist originally from Oregon and now lives in central Pennsylvania. Sorry to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too bad. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. It's it's an it's a great day. It's really nice outside and it's going to get it's going to get warmer. So, I can't wait to do that. Yeah, it's a beautiful Sunday. What do you have planned? Do you have anything exciting planned for today or, or are you working most of the day? Well, I'm going to make art after this. <gasps> really? All right, so what do you what do you do? Tell us tell us about your art. I so I do watercolor mainly and a variety of of subjects but mostly nature scenes animals inspired by Oregon and and now inspired by Pennsylvania a little bit oh that's interesting what's the difference between how has your art changed since coming to Pennsylvania I think it's subtly changing over time I'll do a few paintings here and there that have more of a Pennsylvania hint to them like the mountains will be different or I'll paint a farm scene maybe mostly I paint the same animals because I mean one of my favorite subjects is the great blue heron and they're all over the country okay Uh, Okay. so that's that's not necessarily Pennsylvania or Oregon specific and what medium what medium do you use oh watercolor mainly I do lots of little art projects here and there with other mediums but watercolor seems to be the one that I keep coming back to. Okay. All right. So we're mostly going to focus on your journey and how you got to where you are artistically. We should say right up front though, that your, your art is available. Yes. Yes. How do we, how do we do that? CaseyCruz.com. I've got an Etsy site with prints and cards. Very nice. And I'm looking at them now and you've got You've got stickers too. Yeah, stickers, and then I've I've also got a block print or two up on there. Um, okay. These are nice. I like these. These are great. So you sell. So so let's go back to your journey since we're 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 going to start there. Uh, when did you really start working? Not working, but when did you start your creative process, your creative journey? Well, I've been making art since I was a kid, like <laughs> varying quality of art, mostly just little sketches here and there and obsessively drawing wolves when I was in middle school and high school. But my my watercolor journey was, that was started in late high school when I I had access to uh, tube watercolors for the first time. Mm-hmm. Before that, I'd always use those cheap palette ones and it never looked nice. But I felt like I was ready to actually start using color instead of just pencil sketches from Okay. And did you, did you have any people in your life at that point that were, that were particularly supportive of your art? I had friends and family who were always encouraging me to make more art. It wasn't, I would, I would show them my art and they'd go, oh, cool. You know, that's specifically my friends would be like, wow, you're such an artist. Even though it was these kind of mediocre sketches now that I look back at them. But my, my art teacher in high school definitely pushed me further and uh, pushed me to actually make art that was almost more like fine art level. Not that I was better at it per se, but I learned lots of details of how to make fine art through her. So, you know, you got to sign it in this corner and you got to frame it and mat it and, and how to make something a whole composition versus just a little sketch or doodle. Okay. What was the best advice that you got from your, from your teacher, from your high school teacher that that we could see in your art? The best advice. That's a good question. I feel like it was, it was almost this, she never gave me specific, specific advice to me personally, 
I feel like the the advice that I got her got from her that was the best was more so this this overarching journey of how do you go from just these little ideas on a page to something that you could hang up in a gallery even if it's not your best work and that would be like you said the matting and how to you know think about composition as opposed to just an object on on paper and that sort of thing yeah and she taught me many different mediums of art too oh that's always good what did you how were your parents when you know with your art were they supportive as well yeah my my mom was always kind of a crafty person so she would have like little sketch pads and like magazine clippings and and I don't know stamps and paints around when I was a kid and she would start doing some sort of craft and I would come up to her and go oh can I do that too (laughs) like what are you what are you doing can I use these supplies and she would just she'd like give it all to me she'd go okay yeah you know go ahead and use this and she would buy me sketch pads and colored pencils and and whatnot. So there was this this thorough support in the way of, I'll get you what you need as far as supplies, even though we didn't have a lot of money or anything. Like she'd get me the basics and and that was enough. And and also just letting me use her supplies. And yeah, it it was this this subtle support that like looking back on, I realized was really powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's important. I could see it in I could see it in your eyes. I can see the like the sort of going back and 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 those feelings kind of coming out. And that's 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 sort of a nice feeling. When you when you made the transition from high school to to college, was that did you continue with with art when you got there? Yeah. So I didn't I didn't go to college for art. I went to college for biology, which at the time I it was just general biology. I didn't know what I wanted to do beyond that. Now I'm I'm leaning more towards entomology. And so I've got I've got my career trajectory in that way. Oh, but what do you want to do? What do you want to do with that? Oh, with that, I would love to I would love to uh, help with the spread of invasive insect species, like help control that and 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 find new solutions to controlling the the native insects who are great agriculture pests. Will well. we start to see more insects in your work? <laughs> Perhaps. I, I, I see that. I mean, yeah. I see, I can see the bio, like I can see a connection between an interest in biology and your work as it is because mm-hmm. the nature, the animals and all that sort of thing. There's a sense that these, like in a, in a, in a really nice sort of book for non-biologists, I could see these being the the drawings and the paintings, the illustrations rather, for, you know, for a book on, you know, on wolves or, you know, or some sort of biology kind of thing. So, so I was wondering if, if you, if you are starting to kind of push in that direction where you would, where you'd have more of the insects and things in your, in your work. I've definitely thought about it. I thought about scientific illustration specifically. So I think that's one of those things where if I, if I want to pursue that in kind of like a side art gig the most important thing is the connections so maybe maybe as i'm getting my masters in entomology starting this fall uh, maybe i will grow some more connections and be able to say like hey you know i do i do do some scientific illustration do you need something for your paper or, or whatever <laughs> I, just think that would, I just think that would be so much fun and and you know and the thing is the thing about art is it is so important in our in our lives no matter what we do you can you know you can see mm-hmm. other parts of your life kind of coalescing into into your work now yeah, to- my my biology my my biology career is definitely linked to my art and and my it's, it's like the shared passion for nature and animals i can see that so we so <clears throat> your art is on etsy when did you when did you start doing that when did you start posting them there about a year ago yeah i think it was I think it was like early March a year ago. And that it doesn't, it's not related to the pandemic, even though uh, that's about when the pandemic started. So I, at that point, had taken a couple months off from working full time in biology because it was, I had a seasonal job before and it had ended. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to try and paint as much as I can over the next couple months and, and maybe start selling something. What was that like to, make the decision that, hey, my art is something that other people might might want to see? It was exciting and so, so difficult. 
difficult to consistently paint and to to kind of work up this momentum because I I'd been making art throughout the years of, of full-time work and school but it was I would do it occasionally here and there and and this was the first time that I was intentionally thinking okay I'm treating this like it's my job now what was your biggest obstacle my biggest obstacle was just getting started painting every day so okay. I I have ADHD, mild ADHD, but it's enough to to get in the way of, of art sometimes. And it was, yeah, I would, sometimes I would spend hours just trying to like coming up with the idea and maybe looking for a reference photo here or there for a part of a painting. And then I would be exhausted and not want to start the painting okay. uh, and then just go back to ground zero the next day. All right. I want to. I'm gonna. I want to come back to that in a minute and and talk about your how you were able to go through or around or over that particular obstacle. But I'm also interested in. You're you're about to make this this shift. Were were there any voices in your head or any outside voices that either helped or or hurt? You know that that particular decision making. Hmm. Who were your helpers? We'll start with that. Well, my partner Kyle was definitely a help to to be that person to push me over the initial steps of hey you know look at these look at these cards in this boutique here that's something you could totally do you could make prints of your watercolors like you're already good enough to print these and have people buy them was that something that was in your head before Oh yeah, I definitely, I, I've always wanted to sell my art, even even before I knew it was, or even before I felt that it was good enough to really have many people wanting it. But it's, I've, yeah, I, I've definitely needed more of a push because I, I, I would think to myself, oh, you know, maybe when I'm like 50 and I can sort of retire early and do art instead. <laughs> <laughs> so many people so many people do that that's that's a very valid path like when i when i go to to little art show festivals in the summer there's a lot of older people selling their art yeah we you know we we talked about this in several other episodes you know that that there are sort of financial considerations or other considerations that that keep people from doing what they what they want to do and so people wait most of their lives before yeah. they start start doing this and so I'm glad to, I'm glad that you're that you've you know you were pushed over that thing and you didn't wait till you were 50 because now we've got this amazing stuff to to, to look at and so we've talked about your your biggest supporter and you you talked a little bit you hinted at this idea of of a particular work or your work in general not being ready not being good enough and I think this is an important thing to to think about right because there in one's trajectory when you're working toward your art there is a, there is a time when you're just not good enough to 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 sell i mean you can show people and and you can get encouragement and you can get advice and all that sort of thing but it's an important if you know if you can look at your work and say that's not ready i'm not ready i need to keep working you may not know what's wrong with it yet but just that recognition is super important to to being able to continue the journey can you talk a little bit about that knowing the difference between, okay, I still have a work to go, you know, I still have a ways to go before, but I know I'm on, on that path. Yeah, I think the shift, the shift that I felt of, oh, this is something that I'm really proud of, and I think other people might want to buy. That shift came after I completed my first very large painting, and I think it's, I think it's the biggest watercolor I've ever done back in 2016. So I, I graduated high school in 2013 and and I was doing art here and there. And this this painting that I finished in 2016 took me a year to paint because of just the, the fits and starts of it. But when I finished it, it, it was just this this masterpiece of my heart of like I had only worked on it when I was feeling good about it and when I was happy and and yeah, and I and I framed it afterwards, and and I after that I, I started signing up for putting my artwork in uh, coffee shops to show off. Oh, nice. And and I decided, well, I may as well put a price tag on these, even though it's you know it's not likely to be bought because it's it's expensive. 
uh, it's a big painting. I don't want to sell it for for a small amount because I poured my heart into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important to recognize that you've got you know you've got time, you've got materials, you've got these things, and so you know put into it. And if you want to continue, you know, having somebody sort of return that so you can go out and buy more materials and, and you know, and spend more mm -hmm. of your time doing it. It's kind of a nice, you know, kind of a nice thing. All right. So you've hinted a couple times at what I'm going to call routine. And let's, let's talk about that. How do you, and, and this, I think this was important also with your, with your ADHD and all that sort of thing. How then do you settle on a routine? What have you done? That's, that's important to you. So in the past year, I've definitely learned a lot about that before, before that period early last year, when I took time off of work and just dived into it I was making art maybe once a month and when I was doing that it would be I would get this spark of inspiration at I don't know 9 p.m at night and then I would work on something until two in the morning <laughs> and it would be this labor of love and hyper focus and intensity and I, I would just be exhausted and and done with it for a while and obviously that's not sustainable <laughs> unless unless you can work those hours and have that be your your waking hours and and you're able to consistently get inspired but yeah I, I definitely wasn't consistently inspired it was just every once in a while I could dive into it so what were, th what were the things that you did the decisions you made to 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 change that dynamic so yeah it was it was hard for me to make art during the day so when I when I decided to start doing it during the day I had to kind of go okay like how am I how am I going to do this even though I don't have that intense hyper focus energy to dive into it and yeah so I, yeah one of the main things that I did was I, I've got this nice glass desk that it's got a glass desktop and it's pretty and I have plants on it and I decided that's my watercolor desk it's like it's not my art desk I'll do art various other mediums in other spots in my house or on another table but this is my watercolor desk. So I've got my paintbrushes and my, I'm looking at it right now. So I'm just taking the, the inventory. <laughs> uh, I've got my palette laid out. I've got like a little, a little LED lamp to, to light it up when it's nighttime and I'm painting. Uh, I've got all my paints set out. So like the only thing I have to do to, to get ready to paint is to fill my my water cups and then come and sit down and start painting okay so you've got a dedicated space to to do this and you don't and, and yeah and i think that's i think that's important i I'm, I'm terrible at that i have everything everything i do is in the same place so so i don't i think maybe i maybe i could benefit from from that yeah, I yeah. Think that's nice. now tell me about tell me about your your daily sort of uh, your daily schedule like how do you how do you work you've got other things that you have to do now mm -hmm. so what how do you work that out yeah so right now I'm doing part-time laboratory of biology work and yeah this this pandemic year has sort of thrown a wrench into my plans I intended to start grad school this past year but that was just yeah unrealistic and not not nice to start in a pandemic year so instead I've been continuing our off and on. And then now with my part-time work, I do have to plan a little bit more around that in order to do art. Yeah. But the work, the work that I did of setting a routine up earlier in the past year definitely helped me. It helps me now to get into to doing my artwork. So one of the, one of the things that I do to get ready is I'll, I'll put on my, my headphones that are sound blocking and I'll play some of my favorite music. I've got massive amounts of Spotify playlists because I get <laughs> bored of the music really easily. <laughs> so I, I, I put on some music. Sometimes I'll get some tea because it's kind of calming to have some tea while I'm painting. And and now now I'm able to you know cut off a piece of watercolor paper, tape it down on the edges, and and bring up my list of ideas and go, oh, okay, this is one that I've wanted to do. So I'll start on that. In the past, I've had to simply rip off a piece of watercolor paper from this big roll that I have and just start painting without measuring out anything because it was, that was one of those barriers where now I feel like I've got enough of a routine that I can at least measure it out and tape it down. 
but for a while one of my hacks was to just rip off a piece and start painting because it was like just the amount of time it took to cut it and measure it was enough to make me uninspired and not and then leave it after that <laughs> okay now there's a some people say there are two schools of thought when it comes to having a daily routine there are those who say in order to to keep going with something you should you should be sort of rigid with with your time and make it a habit so so there are writers for example who every day at 7 a.m or whatever time there that's their writing time from seven to whatever right and then you know then there's you know meal time and exercise time and all that stuff sort of rigidly laid out and then there's another school that says be flexible with yourself in, in in terms of in terms of those schedules and i guess there's some there's some evidence to support that the flexibility keeps people kind of going and keeps people kind of charged which way do you lean? Are you more flexible with your time, with your routine time, or you try to be a little bit more rigid? I think it varies from month to month. So I think I can maintain the rigid schedule only for so long. Uh, like I did Inktober this year, but watercolor-tober. So for each day of October, I painted something. And even if I wasn't able to, if it was a larger piece, even if I wasn't able to finish it, I still, I had that rigid schedule of, okay, by 11 a.m. you need to start painting. That's got to be, so there's NaNoWriMo, right, that, that in November, mm -hmm. uh, where you, they set a limit of 50,000 words by the end of the month, right? You know, write 50,000 words in a month. Yeah. How do you measure that? Like, how do you say, <laughs> okay, I'm going to, you know, October's the month to, to, to paint or to ink or to, you know, draw or whatever, right? How do you, I mean, you can't really count strokes or anything like that. Like, how do you, how do you decide what you're going to do for that? This October, I definitely worked ahead of time. So I, I wrote out, I looked at all the prompts and I just sort of loosely followed them. And I decided I was going to paint a different animal in, in a landscape for every day. So I was, yeah, I, I sort of aimed for like a five inch by five inch painting for each day, which that. That is something that I can sit down, I can do sometimes in an hour. Sometimes it'll take me five hours, depending on the detail of it or how how much I'm in flow, but it's definitely doable in one day. So that was, I mean, I definitely strayed from that and sometimes I would make a larger piece and not finish it. But it was enough to me that if I'd, if I'd covered at least five by five inches of watercolor paper, then I had accomplished my goal for that day whether or not it was something that I was proud of. Uh, and, and often I was proud of it. And I would post it on Instagram as a, a way of accountability so people could see that I was doing it. And, and that meant I have to keep doing it. So, there's, so, so when it comes to that, there's flexibility. You can either do a painting that takes you an entire month to do, or you could do a series that takes a shorter mm -hmm. amount of time. Okay. Okay. I was wondering how they, I was wondering how they, they measured that because the, because writers are so, you know, <laughs> they're all, writers are all about word count and, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> so I, I guess just the wondering... writers would have to break it down for like, oh, this many words a day. That's exactly what they do, right? There are, there are people who say, you know, I'm going to write X number of words every day and it, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, not every day has to be perfect or has to be part of a short story or a novel or anything along those lines, because there are days when you just, that's not what you're going to do, right? So you're just not going to be able to. So it's all, you know, all about just getting words out. And, and, and that's important too, you know, being able to say, well, you know what, I'm not really, I, I don't know where to go today in terms of my larger project or larger projects, but I'm going to just put words on a page or put marks on a page or something to, to generate ideas and all that sort of thing. How, do, does, what do you do to do that sort of thing? Yeah, my own, my own process there is I, as long as I start something, I can keep going for a bit. And, and in order to feel accomplished in a day or in a week or whatever, whatever my goals are in the current couple of months, it's like, even if I'm making something that I'm not enjoying, it's to push through it and to to finish it even if it ends up ugly that that's something i think a lot of artists struggle with is to to push through the ugly <laughs> when you when you're making something and you go oh man 
I messed up. I don't like that piece of it. All right, I'm going to throw it away and I'm not going to make art again for another. That's that's something that I've had to brute force overcome in the past year. It, 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 it's brute force in that I've, because of the other strategies I've done in order to have somewhat of a routine, it's been easier to realize I'm making something bad, but keep going because I've made something yesterday that was good. And I've still got that kind of that creative juice in me of, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a good artist. I can do this. It's okay. If this isn't the best. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's interesting because it's a part of you, but it's not you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you can, you can admit to yourself or, or that you're a good artist, but you've done something that isn't particularly good in this in this moment, and I think that's uh, that's kind of an important distinction to make as well. Yeah, and I think that's something that it gets easier to do that the more art you make. Was there a time when you said, "Forget it, I'm done. <laughs> I'm never doing this again"? There, there was never a time when I thought, "Oh, I'm giving up on art." That, yeah, I, there have been times when. I've felt like, wow, like I thought I was good at this. Why is this, why is this so mediocre? Or, you know, why can't I make what I have the idea that I have in my head? And, and all this frustration that does end up feeling like, oh, maybe I'm a bad artist and this and that. It's never stopped me from wanting to make art though. I think, yeah, maybe this is something important to touch on. Like the, the most important part of getting unstuck as an artist is making art for yourself instead of for everyone else or instead of with the goal of like I'm making this so I can sell art or I'm making this so that my friends can go oh cool you're a cool artist the main reason to make art is that it it just it drives your your inner artist and it it makes gives you joy or do you ever so do you ever step away from watercolor and do other types of art then Yes, definitely. That's that's part of my process of of getting unstuck as well. So I I still do collage work. I mentioned that my my mom got me going with art a little bit by by having magazine pictures to do collaging. I'll I'll do that as as almost a warm up. I used to think about it more seriously of like of maybe I can hang these up in I don't know coffee shops or galleries too. But looking at the copyright laws, that's that's a bit <laughs> complicated. I'd have to alter my collages a little bit more to not to not be I don't know subject to copyright laws. But it's definitely this this medium that is a lot easier to approach than than watercolor or or sketching even because it's I don't have to have my my hand eye coordination proper i just need to to look at the images and and think of what emotions they bring to me and how i want to piece them together yeah i would imagine that would be in some ways more freeing in terms of in terms of let's say composition as opposed to you know as opposed to being able to do those those details like you said with the eye hand coordination yeah it's it's funny now that i think about it though it's i'm at the point with watercolor where now it's more freeing to just paint something out of my head and looking at references here and there to piece stuff together. But I, I have the ability now to to think up what I want and to put it down on the page. Whereas for many years I would I would do that and then I would fail at many pieces of it and then some pieces would be good and then maybe this maybe I'd never painted a waterfall before and it looked horrible but then the animal in front of it was great. Will we ever see you standing outside in a forest somewhere with an easel? I actually do most of my painting indoors because the the weather is not friendly to watercolor. <laughs> I do know there are artists who do watercolor with their easel out in nature, but I think honestly it's more distracting for me. So instead I'll I'll go for a hike and sometimes I'll snap some pictures to to remember like how that fern was in the light or how that tree was shaped. But I, I do most of my painting inside. Okay, all right. But you do go out into nature for for inspiration, and and get. Yes, definitely. You also, and when I, this maybe had to do with creativity, physical coordination, sort of eye hand coordination or body mind coordination. But you also dance. Yes, yes. 
I, I did a solo and team dancing for many years as a kid, but now I do partner dancing. Well, not during the pandemic. Not during the pandemic. One no. day again. <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon, I think. I think it'll yes. be soon. Is there any relationship between those or is that a complete break, a way to kind of give yourself, I guess, a mental break from either work, schoolwork, or art? I think there's there's definitely relation in that I, through dance, I feel like I'm expressing the same emotions and feelings as through art. So it's it's like this muscle that I'm stretching through dance and through painting. But it's, it's yeah, maybe maybe the way that they're linked is through music, because I do paint. I, most of the time when I paint, I'm listening to music. And so I'm able to maybe enter this similar space. What, what What's your what's your favorite dance style? My favorite dance style is, I guess, what you would call fusion blues. It's <laughs> it's a mixture of, of many different dance styles and usually happens when, when dancers of different uh, backgrounds come together and make something new to a slightly modern song. Okay. All right. Is that the same kind of music that you listen to when you're painting or does that then distract you? Do you start dancing around the room then? I don't start dancing around the room, but I, it is similar music. Okay. Something, your, your question though, made me think about how, like the, the hand-eye coordination. I do, I do think that the, the, the painting details and the coordination that goes into that is actually somewhat linked to when I'm doing micro dissections for work. So if I'm, if I'm dissecting a small insect, it's, which I really enjoy dissecting things. I, I feel like I, I enter a similar flow and it requires very similar hand-eye coordination. Okay, interesting. All right. <laughs> so let's so uh, let, well, let's talk about that flow for a second and that sort of headspace that you that either you get into when you're dissecting or when you're doing art. Is, do you find that's a similar headspace then? Yeah, it, it's like, I mean, obviously there's some differences because with art, I'm I'm having to think of, of of what I'm creating and with dissecting, I'm I'm looking for what's within the insect and what what thing I'm looking for there. But I I feel like there's this this celebration of my skill there, like the skill of my hand to to replicate what I have in my mind. So with the dissecting, it's you know you have to do it a certain number of times to actually be good at it and, and to not just mangle the little insects that you're dissecting and and with art it's it's you have to you have to have a certain number of of paintbrush strokes in in this motion in order to with ease make that same movement and shape again okay there are people so i don't know people who exercise people who dance and all that sort of thing there's certain release of endorphins and things you know that you know bring out you know, mm -hmm. certain joy and stuff like that when you're, when you're doing those activities. How do you feel? What's your, what's your sort of emotional feeling when you're either when you're painting or when you're done with a painting or both? Ultimately, I paint through joy. So I, I can see, I can, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I can see that. You can see it in my, in my art. Yep. Yeah. So it's, I mean, some of my paintings remind me of, of wonderful childhood memories of running around in nature. Some paintings make me think of cuddling a soft, warm animal, and and I and I put that feeling into the painting. Cuddling and... soft, warm wolves? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. It doesn't have to be wolves. <laughs> Maybe I'll I'll paint a small man. Yeah, I guess yeah. And so with dancing. I mean, I definitely dance for joy. I think it's similarly related. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, I want to ask you about role models or heroes or, or however you want to uh, call them. Last week, we had an animator on the show, and he was talking about sort of his artist heroes. Do you have any artists that you follow or go to look at so that their biographies to see how they, you know, sort of live their lives, how they scheduled their days, how they do their thing? I think one of my watercolor artist heroes is Gordon McKenzie. So he's, I don't actually know much about his process, except that at, at this point, so I own one of his books and it's, it's an instruction of 
how to paint watercolor landscapes, which sometimes I'll look at it. Sometimes it's it's a bit thick and hard to read through, but he's he is what I consider a master of of watercolor landscapes. Yeah, I, I'll be inspired by by his ability to to put emotion and feeling into a landscape, and even sometimes just a simple one. As far as other artists, I've definitely started collecting books from from artists here and there, and, and that's something that I've gotten into in the past year. I think partially because my my art business or my art gig on the side feeds my own want to buy other people's art. <laughs> so I'm, I don't have any other names at the top of my head, but there are artists of the past that I've slowly been, been buying books of. Is there, are you part of any kind of artist community? Do you have a, or do you have a community of sort of like-minded artists to bounce ideas off of, or say, this is the best way to to, to go about, I don't know, whatever you do, either whether it's the business aspect of it or the artistic aspect of it? I think my biggest community is, is individual friends. I think the, the biggest way that I relate to people is actually through art and making art with people. So my, my really closest friends that I grew up with, they're artists as well. And I think as far as bouncing ideas off of, I definitely will come to them sometimes with an idea to work it more or to get criticism or or praise or whatever and 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 just make art with them whether it be virtually through zoom or or meeting in person so yeah and it's not i haven't i haven't hosted an art making night where all of my friends from different places have joined in i tend to make art with like just a couple people here or there. So my community is really spread out, but it's my dearest friends that I make art with. Even even if it's something that they haven't done in a long time, there's still that bond of, of like, they, they have this desire to make things and they can come back to it. And yeah, having, having that community, even though it's spread out, is uh, really valuable. Do they also help you with with the business aspect of it? With you know, this is what you should charge. These are the Etsy's the place to go, or maybe look to these other things. Make sure you have all these social media platforms to share your art and all that sort of, sort of thing. Actually, I think Instagram is more helpful with that. So I do I follow a lot of small artists like myself or ones that are a little bit more up and running, and I don't know them as personally because it's a process I mean, that's slow over time doesn't necessarily mean you have to you know be right next to them especially now right with the technology there are yeah. a variety of different ways in which you can be in you know be in contact and create communities yeah yeah so that's something that i i'm i'm slowly building those relationships over time but that is a really valuable community and it in and of itself for seeing okay what should i be pricing things at especially at my skill level like you don't you don't want to price things based on feeling. When I first started putting up art in, in coffee shops, I would price things on like, oh man, I spent so much time on this. This is my my life's work. I have to price it really high. And then this other one that I painted, but I don't care about as much, I'll price lower. And you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You have to be somewhat consistent. Obviously, there's like you can you can have some variation if if one painting has incredible detail and another is not as much. But but yeah, looking at other artists' Etsy's and looking at watercolor, other watercolor people versus different visual arts and seeing, okay, this is the size painting that they sell for this price. And these are the, they'll sell prints for this price. And th that's the market that I look at and, and think, okay, I need to be somewhere in the middle of that. Not too high, not too low. How do you, how do you suspect things are going to go? Once you're, once you're in a grad program, that's going to be sort of life-changing for those people who've gone through graduate programs. They know, and you've got to, you've got to, I'm sure you've got a lot of friends who are either currently or have just finished the grad programs. Do you, how do you see that affecting what you do? I definitely see that reducing my ability to pay. So hopefully my, my goal is to have enough artwork before I start school that I can I can still have kind of a full Etsy shop of, even though I'm not making very many new new paintings and prints, I can still keep my Etsy shop up and sort of, I don't know, 
advertise for that here and there and, and have that be a little background thing because it, it doesn't take much time to to print stuff and pack it up and send it out the the painting itself i think i would i'd, I'd probably want to like have you know my initial starting time in grad school and go okay how intense is this going to be am i, I going to be able to paint once a week or am i going to be able to paint once every two weeks or once a month i'll have to settle into that but I do, I do want to have a really clear goal of what should I be doing for my art while I'm in grad school because it's yeah. important to me. It's important. Yeah, it is. And, and like you said, you, there's, there's a joy that happens, you know, you're painting from a position, from a place of joy, like, like the dance and all that sort of thing. And you, you need those breaks, whether you're in a full-time job mm -hmm. or you're in, or you're in grad school or, or undergrad or high school or whatever it is, right? It, it, you need, you need to, you need that joy. You need those breaks. So I think that's, uh, I think that's a really smart way to, to, to think about it and to, and to go through it. Now, so not everyone shares their art. It's, you know, I, I imagine that, that precipice, that, that leap to, hey, you know what? I'm going to go do this kind of daunting. And the whole point of this podcast, as you know, is to explore that journey. And we just, we just went through your journey and, uh, and we want to encourage other people to, uh, to do that as well. So what advice would you give people uh, who are reluctant to, to share their art or even reluctant to go to say, you know what, I, you know, I, I want to do this. I, I may not be very good at it but I kind of want to do it. So what advice would you give to, to people who, who are starting those journeys? That's a good question. I think in my, like over the years of encountering people who are, are really shy with, with their art or their poetry or whatever their, their creative expression is, I find that sometimes I'm able to encourage them to share with one person or, or to share with me or, yeah, to, I think it definitely helps to have somebody pushing you. But as as like an internal motivation, if you're scared to show your art, that that's okay. You can you can take take your time with that. I mean, first steps would be maybe sharing it with somebody who you feel like wouldn't judge you. But you can you can have your art be your thing that you that you celebrate on your own, and maybe one day you share it more. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm not good enough to share it yet, which I doubt. <laughs> Nobody has to be good enough to share their art. You could share it whatever level you're at. But but if you're struggling with, with putting it out there, yeah, that, that's okay. It's okay to struggle with that. And you can set goals of like, okay, maybe I'll share it with one person or maybe I'll share something once a week. Yeah, I think there's a way to do it anonymously too. If you're if you're worried that people yeah. are going to sort of judge you if you do it anonymously, you put a sort of a little bit of a barrier between the work and and you. And so, you know, if you're if you're nervous about that sort of thing. So yeah. And and I like I like what you're saying about the art, you know, the art is for is for the person creating it on a on a on a basic level, right? If you're if you're constantly thinking about well, what should I do for other people that that becomes sort of a sort of a problem as well. So so being able so having that that you know that struggle or you know that making art that's for yourself, writing poetry that you don't really have any intention of sharing, I think still gives people a certain amount of joy. And I think there's I think there's value in that as well. Or they can exp, you know express emotions that they can't normally express through their poetry or through through their art, et cetera. So I think yeah, that's I think good too. Anonymously is definitely an option too. Like if if you want to share your art on uh, Imager, you can have whatever username you want. You just put it out there. Okay. Nobody's gonna look up, look you up. <laughs> Nobody's gonna look you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's great. I think that's great advice. And I think and I think allowing people to you know allowing people to say you know what, I either never want to do this or I'm not ready to do this are both you know both valid. And, and validating those emotions, I think is, I think is important. Anything else, anything you want to kind of leave us with? Yeah, uh, I'd love to, I guess, touch on a little bit more of advice of like, if you're, if you're trying to make art, but you're having trouble deciding if you even want to do it, or if you're, you're just barely getting started and, and setting up, trying to set up routines. I think, <laughs> I think it's okay to lean into those those late nights when you finally have that inspiration and to to stay up late every once in a while and to 
to dive into the artwork. Or, but why is that you're trying to go to sleep and then all of a sudden, like, here's an idea and it's not going to let you go until, you know, until you either, you either do it or, or, you know, three, 4am comes around. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, that's the inspiration hour. It's, it's late at night when you've got something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, someone said uh, to me recently that, that's the time when your brain gets to do those things because during the day mm -hmm. you've got other people, you've got work, you've got obligations, you've got bills and all that sort of thing. And you finish that stuff and you ran out of time. You didn't get a chance to create anything. And now you're, you're, you know, you lie down and all of a sudden, bam, your, you know, your brain says, Oh, but here are all these ideas that, you know, that, that I've got for you. So good luck sleeping. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially if you're working full time, like that's that's your little bit of time to yourself where your brain gets to run wild with cool ideas. And I like I like that you you said that you know if you if you you know if you need those you know late hours on occasion to go ahead and and do that to allow yourself to do that because in, on some levels it does energize you for the next day. Yeah. So I guess other other quick points of advice is you don't you don't have to be the kind of person that pushes through the ugly art right away. That can be a goal in the future. I think sometimes it's really good to to stop when it's going well <laughs> and to come back to it from a place of, oh, that was so fun last time. I can start it again now instead of going until it starts to get bad and then giving up and never going back to it. So that's that's the main one. Also, don't spend too much time looking at other people's artwork if that sinks you into a hole like there's there's a fine line between getting inspired and and going down a hole of misery of I'm so bad as an artist I'll never be as good as these other people I mean you, you know especially if you're you know comparing yourself to to someone who's been doing this their entire lives if you're seeing mm -hmm. stuff if you're seeing stuff that's you know in museums or on you know or that someone is you know has up in a gallery or something along those lines if you're just getting started making those comparisons uh, is not not a, not a good way to go and you know and you know it's it might be a good thing to go back and and see if you can't find where that person started and look at what they look at what they yeah. started with right i mean if you know if we went back and looked at your middle school uh, and high school paintings <laughs> what, would that, oh, yeah. what would that look like <laughs> Uh, well, it would be mostly wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've sort of moved beyond that into landscape, but but yeah, lots of lots of kind of mediocre sketches and lots of joy put into them, though. Yeah, and I, I'm glad. It seems like you've been able to keep that childhood joy in your work, and because everyone, all all kids, create art. They sing, they dance around, they they write little stories, or they make up little stories, they act things out, and all that sort of thing. And uh, and there's a there's a there's there's that joy, like you said, that that's in those kids. That's you know, I gets gets somehow gets stripped away from us with all of the yeah. other things that you know. When, once we get into you know middle you know especially middle school and high school and you know in college and you know that's not what you should be doing. You should be focused on you know getting you know being a business person and making lots of money and, and you need a house and, and, and big cars and you need, you need a fence and, you know, all those sorts of things. And, and a full-time job. That's, yeah. that's really intense for the budding artist. <laughs> to, yeah. It is. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that we, that a lot of people would say if, if we had basic guaranteed income and an, an insurance, I think a lot of people would say, you know what, I'm going to go give this a shot. You know, as opposed to waiting till mm -hmm. they're fifty or you know, or sixty or seventy when they retire or something like. Because <laughs> now I don't think you, you can retire until you're until you're seventy five or something like that. Oh yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Even the the goal of like, oh, maybe make art at fifty. That was like somewhat wishful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I think people, I think people would would really experiment more, and and we'd see a lot more creativity if people had that that security, I guess, to 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 go do that. Mm -hmm. Or and also if it weren't sort of drummed out of us at an at an early age, you know that yeah, that joy you gotta of creating. Yeah, you gotta do. hold on to that. You gotta hold on to it, or or respark it if it's if it's something you haven't done in years and you want to make art again. It's okay to start from from page one. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I've known I've known people. I I've known people. I've known I, an artist who created art his entire life and all that sort of thing. Had a job and all that, but then you know later in life, I said I want to learn to play the piano and started from scratch and you know started mm. out. He was, he was terrible, and uh, <laughs> you know and he and you know and he worked at it and and got better and he's and he's really good. So so yeah, that can happen. That can happen as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's, and I think that's, I think that's a good thing. And you can start whenever you want. You don't have to, you know, if you want to do something, if you have some sort of creativity that you want to express, do it. There's no reason, there's no reason to, to, to not, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. No and reason. use whatever supplies you have. You don't need to go out and buy more stuff. Like, I mean, if you have the means, go ahead and buy some more supplies, but, but you can just, you can just sketch things and, and use your imagination from there. And then have you need a pencil and you need a piece of paper mm -hmm. for at least if you're going to do, if you're going to do uh, visual art, yeah. You know, other things, you know, other things might, might take other supplies and stuff like that, but yeah, there's, you can definitely do, you can definitely express yourself with, with very basic supplies. I think that's good. Don't let that hold you back. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I think we did it. Yeah. This was Thanks, great. Henry. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And and I got to know you a lot better in, in these in, in in these last few days. We met we met in in the dance community, right? Through yeah. through, through some of those people. But uh, we do different things. I tend to, I'm when it comes to that art, I'm that mm -hmm. reluctant person. I'm super not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes time. It does. Yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable with leading leading dance dances as much so that's my artistic journey and dance that's next and yeah it's it's not easy <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much and uh, and hopefully and hopefully we'll be post pandemic soon and and, mm -hmm. and dance will start up and and we'll see more of your art and and uh, oh will you ever have shows like Ooh, yeah i'll in in State College, well, in in Belfont, right next to State College, Pennsylvania, I've I've gotten into the artist registry of a, a gallery there, so I'll have oh, nice. some paintings up there in the future. I'm not sure when, but yeah, yeah, it's gonna take a little time. Yeah. Well, it's a lovely day, so I hope you can get out and enjoy a little bit of the of the weather. And I will, I guess, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Henry. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. And that wraps up another episode of Creative Reset. Remember to rate and comment on the show. Constructive advice is always welcome as we continue this particular journey. And we'll see you next week.